Welcome to the Jim K. Ford Sends Nation podcast with former TSN radio host Steve Warren and the coach Greg Kennedy. It's skated away by Gensel. Rust with the net empty. Back for Jake. And he scores! Jake Gensel with the dagger. 6-4. Penguins. As the Sens fall 6-4 in Pittsburgh. This episode happening right after that game. So nerves are raw and emotions are fresh. And yeah, it's uh, Steve Warren along with the coach, Greg Kennedy. How are you, Greg? Uh, uh... I've been better, Steve. I, I, I thought, you know, there was a part of me that thought, geez, they just might do this. No, not quite. I was thinking last year against the team I hate the most. Yeah. They came back from a 5-1 deficit. And I got to say the Penguins, they'd be in the discussion for the team I, the second most hated team that I have. <laughs> and they almost pulled that off. I was thinking it'd be nice to they could have somehow had Dadnov in the lineup because he knows how to finish off uh, <laughs> a deficit from a 5-1. Anyway. I, I kind of looked at the game as sort of a microcosm for the last two seasons in that they came out and got off to such a terrible start. And then just when it got to a stage where the, where the, where the comeback was almost impossible, that's when they started playing well. That's kind of the last two seasons in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's wait till it's out of reach and then start playing well. Uh, yeah. My, my takeaway was something different different from that steve my my takeaway was this is a you say microcosm to me it's a prime example of this team's lack of a top six forward lack of a second top two two top six forwards they do not have a second line like in that third period all of your offense all of the excitement was coming from one line and you just don't have that second line that that you can you know, get a goal or two from here and there. Yeah, and that's the thing about being opportunistic. It's funny how the teams that are opportunistic, because obviously the Sens came out and had you know lots of chances in the first period, 22 shots, and yet they come out of the first period down badly in the game, and that's largely because you've got a Pittsburgh Penguin team that has guys like Evgeny Malkin and Sidney Crosby, and they are opportunic, opportunistic. It's funny how that word goes along with teams that have a lot of skill up front right yeah and and those two guys are on two different lines and yeah. then you've got uh you've got uh, uh Br- brian rust is it brian rust it is you got rust you've got um this rodriguez kids come out of nowhere you've got jake gensel you've got enough there that they can put two lines on the ice that can produce and it just it, it just doesn't it's oh it's so close so close it's just not quite there Kind of weird to see a goalie chased from a game when it's only 2-1. Now, he had just let in a goal that was not very good that put the Sens down 3-1. Turns out it was offside. The Sens won an offside challenge, so that was fortunate. But uh, Anton Forsberg just, I don't know. It's good to get your paddle down and everything, but don't have it angled toward your own net (laughs) to block a pass coming through. Uh, He didn't have a particularly good game, but I I think the defense shares much of the blame as well. What did you think of of the early going. Were you all about saying, okay, it's all on the goaltending or where were you at? I was on Forsberg. The the first goal just cannot happen. I don't care what the circumstances were. Uh, He was down and deep again. 
down early, deep in his net, and gets beat over the shoulder or, or through the body, wherever the hell it went in. Like, I understand you're not expecting the guy to shoot the puck uh, through the legs of, of a Holden, the same guy who it, had, it happened to last game with the Cousins goal. But we're in the offensive zone. They're in your zone. They have the puck. You should now be expecting a shot. And he was down and deep. The second goal, I don't care if they think uh, Malkin made a great play fishing the puck and pulling it back and scoring. I don't care. Stop the puck and freeze it. Like, stop it, find it, freeze it. And he missed two of those steps. He didn't find it and he didn't freeze it. He was only starting the game because Matt Murray was not yet ready to go. And uh, there was Matt Murray up in the press box tonight waving at the crowd. Their, their, their former conquering hero, two Stanley Cup rings for the Penguins. And... Uh, I don't know. It's all very interesting timing that there's nothing really wrong with him, but I guess there's something non-COVID happening, maybe a bug of some kind, but uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to be a skeptic or anything like that, but it is odd timing when you get down to it that, uh, that he's not in there. But uh, what did you think? Well, we talked about this the other night too, or at some point in time, we discussed this, whether he's injury prone or not. I think he's just, like there's uh, you're either hurt or you're injured or you're sick, I guess. And I'm just looking at this going, even then I, I think when you're sick, you play. I think when you're hurt, you play. I think when you're injured, you don't play, but I just, I get the impression that he's, he's maybe a little finicky about uh, when he plays, when he doesn't play, how he's feeling in his mind, uh, you know, what, what kind of coffee he had that morning or how his breakfast went down. I, he just seems a little finicky, about when he's good to go and not good to go. And that to me is, would be very frustrating, not only as a coach, but as a teammate too. So I, I'm with you. I didn't think the goaltending had a particularly good game. Certainly when Gus got in there right away, the Matheson first Matheson goal, um, he's fishing for the puck. He's and, and, you know, he probably should have uh, jumped on that thing or been a little more aggressive on it. But, uh, you know, I would say that on that goal and several others, I mean, the defense was not very good. I mean, I look at uh, that Sidney Crosby goal. If you watch that, I know the Sens are shorthanded and everything, but both Holden and Josh Brown are in really good position moving back. But, I mean, they were both just statues. Yeah, I, I, the mistake was Holden, though, I, I think. Um, as Crosby came to the line off the, the boomerang pass, he comes to the line, he makes the little, the little uh, uh, kick out to the wall to Rust. So you've got Rust, a right-hand shot, basically standing still just inside the blue line. He, he takes a couple strides, but he has, he has no speed. He's not a threat to, to necessarily shoot and score. He's generally speaking, if you pressured him right there, uh, he probably would have stopped, turned back and set up the power play. Instead, um, uh, Holden, Holden reads it as where's the threat here. And the threat is Crosby going to the net. So turn and take Crosby, because even if you leave Rust alone and he shoots it, he's not going to score. and He's probably not going to shoot it. It's a power play. He's going to stop, turn back and set up. So let him do that. That's fine. You've given up the blue line. So let's eliminate a cross ice pass by taking away the passing option. Brown backed in and took one of them on the right, but hold it on the left side kind of took a step towards Rust and basically opened up the passing lane for Rust to pass it to Crosby. I agree with all of that, except Brown didn't take anybody. I looked at okay, the sorry. I, I looked, <laughs> I it, it was bad. It was really, really bad. If you if you look at in fact, you look at Josh Brown, he's at the blue line in good position, kind of backing in, and he decides to pinch up, take a couple of strides forward, 
And then he realizes, oh, they're coming with speed. And so Gensel is flying in, and that's his guy. And he Gensel just blew by him like he was, like I say, a statue planted. <laughs> it was it was awful. Anyway, he's handing out um, a speeding ticket. Yeah, I yeah. just don't understand. But, but it's Holden understand? though, like like Holden, like why would he be worried about rust when you're allowing this guy to drive through right to your net? Like like you're like a middle linebacker there. You you pull out and cover the guy down low. You know, in in the in that open belly underbelly there, you you don't jump up on the outside lane just let that guy do what he wants to do because he's not a threat to score and he wasn't even going to try to score so I, yeah. I don't know no i agree with you completely if brown is in the statue i agree with what you're saying i just put yeah. it on both of them because brown yep. if, if he doesn't let gensel blow past him now all of a sudden if brown is with his guy then crosby uh, doesn't have the option of using gensel as a decoy and anyway yeah. it was it was not good that was just an example though of where the defense was at tonight. And, uh, you know, I even look at that Matheson goal, the first one, how many of the skill guys for the Sens weren't tracking at all. Like, they weren't picking yeah. anybody up. Thomas Shabbat comes across, misses a hip check, and then just checks out of the play. And then there's al- almost no back checking going on from some of the skill guys up front. Yeah. So, yeah, there was some tough tough times, goaltending defensive-wise in the early going. They fall behind 5-1. To their credit, though, you know they, they hung around in the game and uh, scored three straight goals in the third period to certainly make the game interesting. Um, but it just was uh, not their night, unfortunately. They, uh, they it was nice they called a timeout at the end, though, to uh, to rest their key guys. <laughs> he did that for you, buddy. Pretty damn innovative. Uh, I would have thought that. Uh, <laughs> anyway, well, I was um, I was thinking at one point before you before we get to the third period there, I I was thinking at one point. Geez, that Leon Dreisaitl really pissed off that Matheson guy. He came to play tonight, didn't he? <laughs> One guy I want to talk about is uh, is Eric Brandstrom. I think he's in the NHL to stay now, is he not? I mean, he just continues to look better game in, game out. And what a play he made. He gets tackled by Crosby at the blue line, gets up, hustles, gets back, and gets possession of the puck, sets up Josh Norris in front to make it a one-goal game. He just continues to impress, does he not? Oh, yeah. He he was great. He, you know, he played nine minutes in the third period. Played half, wow. basically half the third period. Uh, he was their most dynamic defenseman tonight. And I'll I'll tell you something. I've I've often used the expression that Thomas Shabbat looks like he's in a in a, an easy chair out there. He's so calm and cool and collected. Brandstrom is the opposite. His feet never stop moving. He is so much more dynamic in that sense than Shabbat. Uh, creative wise, seeing seeing things, they both can make great passes, no doubt about that. But I think offensively on the power play or even five on five Branstrom moves around so much, so quick. He darts into holes. He sees holes. He finds options. It's his feet that allow him to be, I don't, I don't know how to say this, but he can be more creative and well, he probably is already more creative and probably has more offensive upside uh, than Shabbat does. I'd certainly say this, that I'd like to see Thomas Shabbat not waste time. There's so many times where there's opportunity for him to skate back and get a puck. He, he takes his time. That's what Brandstrom is doing and that he doesn't waste a second out there. If there's a retrieval, he's going like stink to get back there. And that creates opportunity for time and space when he brings it back in the other direction. I'd like to see Shabbat do a little yeah. more of that, a little less of that 
for lack of a better term, lollygagging to get back to a puck. Uh, in his defense, I'll say this. Um, don't forget we're watching the game on TV, and all we see is a camera shot of the zone with a puck back there that Shabbat's going back to get. We didn't see his shoulder check up ice. You know, what did he see? Who's up there? Are, they, are, are the forwards making a change? Well, he goes back. Is he buying some time to allow for the change? Is he taking his time to, to catch his breath? We don't know that the full situation of the ice is when he's doing that. But I understand your point, and I know exactly what you're saying. I want to ask you about that interference call that was not called, because all night long, it seemed like the Sens were getting called for that standard, okay, the Penguins try and chip it in, little Hold dump on. in, and then try to skate along the boards, and the defenseman rubs them out on the boards. And was it three times they got called for interference three. in the, those exact circumstances? Yeah. It was a two anyway. Um, no, it was two on Zub, and then it was one on JBD, but JBD's was probably, at first I thought that was the weakest one of them all, but then on the replay you can see that uh, Gensel doesn't even touch the puck and, and JBD takes him out. Still, it's it, I think we can agree that we see that not called frequently. I mean, oh, by yeah, the and the- we, we can also agree it was we used to teach defensemen how to hold their guy up <laughs> in, right. in, the, in, the, in the 90s. You used to teach defensemen to hold a guy up. It was standard. If you didn't yep. do it, you got crap for it. But even here in 2022, I mean, I rarely watch a hockey game in its entirety without seeing that play and having it not called. So, okay, that's the standard tonight. Fine. Yep. End of the game, you know, they've got the goalie pulled. Kachuk has got the puck down below the goal line. He's trying to bring it out in front. And I'm not sure. Was that a homicide? (laughs) Did Josh Josh Norris actually get murdered? Because I'm not, because three guys jump him. And, and like he's nowhere near the puck, and he he's, he comes up bloody, mugged the whole nine yards, probably stabbed, and no call. Where, where's the consistency? If you're gonna call interference, and you've decided that that is, as a referee, that is the thing that sticks in your craw, interference, and you yeah. don't call it in those circumstances, what is the matter with these guys? Especially one of them was was from behind and driving him down into the ice, like it was a tackle. Like, yeah. I, I agree with you. I, 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 I looked at the play over and over again, and I thought first he got cut. Maybe it was an inadvertent stick lift by Latang as he was cutting through the crease, but that wasn't it. He got cut because he got his face driven into the ice. That's how come he got cut. And that's just like, come on, boys. Let's make a call here. So they didn't score. Um, empty net was scored by the Penguins, and that polishes it off for a 6-4 victory. But after that, Brady Kachuk was in a foul mood. And he took a good long run. And by the way, in the last episode, we had a discussion about whether Brady Kachuk had a charge on Butcher yes. in the last game. You're absolutely right. That Thank was, you. uh, <laughs> there was no coasting whatsoever. It was stride, 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 wham. Smack. <laughs> exactly. So Kachuk took a good healthy run at John Marino, missed him completely, but Marino took some exception to it. They kind of shoved each other a little bit and they decided they were going to go and probably not a great decision by John Marino because Kachuk certainly got the better of him. If you're going to – he's played about – I don't know. He, got, he played top four minutes tonight for the Penguins. Marino did. He's by, got about 150 games in his NHL career. That was his first NHL fight and probably not the best choice of opponents, I would think, at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, yeah you, you maybe should be a little more selective there, son. I, I, yeah. I, 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 but he had to know who it was. 
Oh, yeah. right. He, he he knew who it was and, and good on him for, for going. Like they, they took a good couple seconds, look at each other. Like, are we going to go? Are we going to go? And the kid said, yes. He answered the bell. Good on him. He, he, he wore at least one though, didn't he? He did oh, a yeah. good job of throwing his fist into, or throwing his face into Brady's fist there at least once or twice. <laughs> I would imagine those two guys probably uh, know each other, both Americans around the same age, both played collegiate hockey, um, so they probably ran into each other. I think Marino's a Harvard guy. Correct. Um, so a couple of other things. I want to tip of the cap to Alex Formanton and the game he had tonight and that one shift in particular where he did it all. I mean, he got into a scrap. I don't think it, they didn't qualify as a fight, but he and Latang got into it. Um, it's as a vicious a roughing penalty as you'll ever get. He and uh, he and Latang probably both wanted the five minute major on their resume, but it didn't happen. But he also had a penalty shot. He was picking off passes. Terrific shift, and uh, Formanton continues to come into his own. Yes, he does. And is and is he that answer at top six? I just I don't know about his hands long term. If he's if, long projection here, I don't know that he's a goal scorer. But you, if you put him with a playmaking center and a goal scorer, he can certainly help you out in your top six. Like, he'd look fine playing with Stutzla and Batherson if you, then you find somebody else to play with Norris and Kachuk, right? It's that one or maybe two top six guys that are needed. And Formanton's getting a real good look here and an opportunity to to audition for that role and did play a strong game. I actually thought that Latang probably should have got a double minor on their, on their little coincidentals there, but... Again, what do I know? Apparently, I'm not not very good at assessing penalties. When you talk about the top six, you know, Formanton is coming into his own. He could be the answer there, like you say. Um, you know, you got the top line, so there's your top three, for example. Then you got Formanton, who's probably auditioning for that. You've got Tim Stutzla, who I think is he's there. He's not there. He's there. And then you got Shane Pinto, who he's going to be auditioning for that before long. Connor Brown is injured right now, and. Uh, he would be ideally suited to be an elite number three, but I still think he's a, a good average second line forward as well. So it's not like they're void of talent. It's just, you know, get some guys who are still coming into their own, got some guys who are injured. So it's uh, the future still looks good in the here and now, though. You just can't hang with the Penguins as far as the offense goes. Yeah, and I, and, and I, I have a bone to pick with uh, DJ Smith as well. Like you'll remember the the shift by uh, Stutzla, Norris, and Batherson, where where Norris had the real good chance, basically in the blue paint, goal mouth shot when it was yep. still five four, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, that shift ended with six forty to play. They went off the ice with six forty to play. I would have really, really, really wanted to see them back out, put somebody out for thirty five seconds, and then put that big line back on again. But no, it went Stutzel line, then Gambrell line, and then the Tierney line before the Norris line went out again. And by then it was 4.42 to play. So two minutes later, they finally get back on the ice. And I would have thought, okay, now they're going to start double shifting them. And he did kind of sort of, he put them on again. They went off at 4.03. At the three and a half to play, offensive zone draw after a TV timeout, they go back on again but only for 30 seconds. So I just kind of, I was frustrated there. Even even the shift when they went on after sitting off for three, when they went on with four and a half to play, that was, sorry, that was the one that was after a TV timeout. So you've now given the, you, you didn't put them on back to back or or two out of three, however you want to say it. People say double shifting, right? So that's, they should have been on, then off, then right back on. But instead you waited. And when you did put them back on, it was after all three other lines had been on and after a TV timeout. So the opposition gets a chance to match on a draw in the D zone 
they get last change and they're rested like you are. I just think there was many opportunities starting with nine minutes left, eight minutes left to play that line every other shift. And it just, it didn't happen until there was under three to play. I I have a problem with that from a coaching standpoint. Yeah. I think DJ Smith, uh, I'm confident in him from a communications and a being a player's coach. I really think that, uh, you know, he's kind of that raw, raw sort of a coach, but I still have questions. And you go back to that last game, the way it ended some head scratchers, as far as tactics go in game adjustments. um, And the, the decision on when guys are ready, we're seeing examples of that again and again, where, you know, all of a sudden Lassie Thompson comes into the, uh, the lineup earlier this year. And he's like, Oh my God, he's a great player. Um, <laughs> and at some point, at some point we have to have a discussion about, uh, uh, I mean, what, what, what is going on with Josh Brown? Like why is Lassie Thompson not here? Um, and why is Josh Brown yeah. here? It, it, it makes zero sense at this stage of the game. He's just not mobile enough. He doesn't process well enough, might be a great guy, but he's certainly not. If he's in here for the toughness angle, where's that? I'm not. I'm not seeing a guy that's that's thundering guys. I'm not seeing him fighting. I'm not seeing protection of teammates. Help me understand exactly what we're dealing with here. Yeah, it's 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 minutes distribution. Who gets minutes when? Um, who gets minutes with who? Who gets minutes against who? And that is where I think that he is lacking uh, as an NHL coach. Uh, not by no means am I saying that you or I could do a better job. It's the easiest seat in the house to sit there and watch the game and take notes. But that's a basic thing, right? Who plays with who and when and against who and how often? Right. That's your number one job as far as, as far as coaching there goes. And Josh Brown gets too many minutes. Uh, tonight and other nights, Kachuk, Batherson, Norris don't get enough minutes. Um, it's just, it's frustrating. It's frustrating as a, as a fan to watch this, watch this team play with some of the decisions that are made sometimes. All right, we'll hear from DJ Smith here in just a moment. First, though, I want to thank our great sponsor. Our title sponsor is Jim K. Ford, as most of you know, and they are your home of the all-new Ford Maverick, designed to seize the day. This beautiful truck is built Ford Tough, and it gives you the best of both worlds, compact on the outside, still big enough on the inside to seat five and store all of your stuff, not to mention the cool 8-inch touchscreen on your dash to help you get your work done. Learn more, pre-order the all-new Ford Maverick today at jimkford.com. They're located at 1438 Uville Drive in Orleans. And whether you're in the market for a new vehicle or a certified pre-owned one, if you're enjoying the show, we hope you'll at least give them a shot. Here's DJ Smith with his comments on the game. We played really well. Um, You know, they scored some goals that I think we'd like to have back. Um, But... You know, we came out ready in the first period. I think we had 22 shots. I think we had uh, three or four grade A looks. Um, and we stayed on it all night. Um, we just, you know, at the end of the day, we didn't get the power play. I thought we deserved, uh, you know, a power play at least in the third. And, and maybe that's the difference. Okay, so there's DJ Smith talking about tonight's performance. Austin Watson should get a, I don't know, some kind of game puck or something for his intermission interview. I'm not sure I've ever seen an NHL player on a TV interview do it tarps off um but um all good though all good i don't care one way or the other but it was interesting to see that um and uh, i wanted to talk a little bit before we wrap up today about the fact that we now await the next game the sends are going to take on the washington capitals and it's getting busy now like they've decided oh. to re they've rescheduled all the games 
So all 12 of those games that were postponed are now officially scheduled. But as the Sens take on the Capitals on Saturday night, here it is as we speak, it's January 20th. There are still six games left in the month of January, just as an example of how busy it's about to get. They're going to be 50 games in 100 days. Isn't that, can we assume, we, we, we describe that as crazy? Absurd. This is, yeah. this is a National Hockey League team, and you're now expecting them to play every second night for 100 days, for, for a little over three months. Not, not for a couple of weeks. No, no. For about three months, you're going to play every second day. And then I took a look at these, the 10 back-to-backs. I broke them down, Steve. There are, here, here's one back-to-back. You're going to play uh, Boston at home, and then the next day play in Washington. Here's another one. You're going to play in Arizona in the afternoon and in Anaheim the next night. Mm-hmm. You're going to play a night game at home against Philly and the next night in Montreal. Not terrible, but still travel involved. You've got a home game against the range, sorry, a road game in New York, followed by a home game against Winnipeg. So you're going to play in New York, fly home, and play the next night at home against Winnipeg. And then the, another one that's opposites, there's two other ones. you got a road game in Columbus, followed by a home game against Montreal, and you got a home game against Philly, followed by a road game, sorry, a home game against Florida, followed by a road game in Philly. It's, it's not like the back-to-backs are home and home or road and road. Even or sorry, home and home, or like New York, New York, or New York, New Jersey. No, no, these guys are all over the place. There's a there's a road back to back road games where they play Seattle and then Vancouver. Like it's just it's absurd. It's yeah. unfair and absurd. Yeah, I mean it's uh, from a competitive standpoint. I'm not that worried about it because they're not they're not yeah. going to be in the playoffs this year. That that doesn't concern me too much. I worry more about. And I certainly, I mean, most of the guys in the Ottawa Senators, the young guys, the cardio's going to be fine. I get all that. But it's more the recovery time and the risk of injury. I look at this the same way I would look at a, a strength training co- coach who's over top of Brady Kachuk, and he smashes out a bunch of bench presses, and he gets to his max, and then he sets it down. And then the and then the coach goes, no, no, do 20 more. He's like, no, I'm, I need some recovery time here. I got to get a rest for a second. No, no, dude. That's kind of how it's going to be for the muscles for these guys. Yeah. Um, they're young. They're fit. I get all that. But your body needs recovery time. And it's I, I can see a bunch of leg injuries occurring just because muscles and tendons are just not ready to roll. And then you're asking them to go zero to 60 without proper recovery time. Yeah, and and, and you're gonna be you're gonna be tired, whether you look tired or not. Like they'll still find a way to bring it on the ice in a game. But your body's going to be tired. That makes you more susceptible to your standard common everyday flu, cold, uh, COVID, anything. Your immune system will break down. These guys are going to get, they're going to have Matt Murray disease every night. Oh, have something, <laughs> something, oh, something's not right. I don't feel right. You know, and, and any injury that lingers, well, there's no more lingering. you got to play. So right. it's just, it, it could get scary. And it's from a player safety standpoint. It's not very good. Well, maybe there's some opportunity here potentially with, uh, you know, we again, the Lassie Thompson example I use where just because of injury, you brought him up in an emergency and you go, oh, he can actually play. It, maybe there's an opportunity to kind of, I mean, Belleville is probably going to have a busy schedule too, but I'm just yeah. thinking with a taxi squad and some Belleville guys, 
maybe there's an opportunity to do some rotating and give kind of spell guys, give guys opportunities to take a night off here and there. Not that, you know, anybody who buys tickets to games wants to see that, but we're in unique times. So maybe there's an opportunity for some guys the Sens maybe aren't necessarily thinking about bring them in and maybe get some NHL time. It's good for the development at the end of the day to get some guys up and get a taste of what it takes. We're going to see some socks. Igor is going to get up here and maybe <laughs> Arventi and, and, uh, and what's the guy's name? Apricot there. We might even see him play. And, and when, when Sanderson comes in, he's going to play. So we're going to see a lot of guys playing a lot sooner and a lot more often than we probably would have normally seen. Um, it, it might not work out well, but we're going to get to see guys play. All right. So that will do it for this episode of the Sens Nation podcast. Our next episode will be coming up uh, probably on Sunday or Monday. Uh, we invite you to have a great weekend. And, well, Steve, uh, webs- yes, we, yes. we could do the show 50 times over the next 100 days. There you go. <laughs> Why not? Why not? It's a condensed podcast schedule from here on out as well. Um, Tell them where to find us on the internet. SendsNationHockey.com. We got some. I did a little revamping to it uh, this week, so have a look at it. SendsNationHockey.com. It's a cool site. Lots of great Sends information, and uh, of course our podcast there as well. So uh, check that out. SendsNationHockey.com. Greg, enjoy your evening. We'll talk to you next time. For sure. Thanks, Steve. Thanks for being with us on the Jim K. Ford Sends Nation podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and review. Share the show with your friends and followers or become a member on Patreon. Check out our website today at SendsNationHockey.com.